in the in the book of Galatians, it's a letter written by Paul to the church in Galatia. It's written to a very sort of specific issue, and this issue is brought up in chapter 1 and 2. There are a group of Jewish Christians who are, uh, who are telling the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, to come and be circumcised so that they may uh, be a part of the fellowship. And so there's a whole lot of tension going on within all of that, and Paul interacts with it. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is about belonging. You know, what is something that we have all experienced? And I think that every one of us, whether we want to admit it or not, is that we have within ourselves a sense and a desire to belong. Like, nobody really wants to be left out. You know, maybe you were the last kid called for dodgeball. Was that you? Would you like us to point that out this morning if you want to raise your hand? Uh, you know, nobody wants to be singled out. Nobody wants to be left out. We all want a sense of belonging. Uh, whether it's a school age or even in our adult age, like to have a friend that sits with us during lunch at work, uh, to know that we have someone that cares about us, know that we're not alone. All of us have this sense of belonging. And I think that in large part, that's, that's how uh, Paul is addressing the congregation and saying there are people who desire to belong. Because belonging, what comes with it is a sense of security, a sense of peace, a sense of knowing, hey, I am, I'm not on my own. Uh, but I've often wondered, like, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to this book, like, you know, why would they be so tempted to be circumcised to join? I understand the the sort of Old Testament story of it. Like I get that that piece of it, and that piece of it is is that Abraham was given the promise way back in Genesis twelve and Genesis fifteen. God calls Abram and he says, "I will be your God and you're, you'll be my people. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you and all who bless you, I will bless. Like I'm going to take care of you and that you are going to be my special people. And the way that that covenant was was marked was the way you identified as a Abram uh, as, as a part of that promise Abraham was through circumcision. That was the way they designated and set them out. You know, when I think about, like, a church growth strategy in the first century world, I'm not sure, hey, come to be a part of our church where we circumcise you to come be a part of the church family. Whereas there's the mega church down the road that's having chariot races for all the men. It's like, do you want to compare the chariot races or do you want to do uh, the circumcision route, you know? And I would think that there would be more of a draw to the men's outing, you know? They would have a pork barbecue and a chariot race, right? Like that would be the way to go for church growth strategy. But so why, what is the draw to this sort of, that was entirely, I, I'm glad some of you laughed at that. I was throwing a lot of shade at mega churches and I hope they all watched it on our live stream with the five other people on our mega church broadcast, <laughs> right? Uh, where am I? I'm throwing, saying stupid things. All right. And so, so what, what is the draw? And what is that? And, and in my investigation, there is, there is the one sense. This is how we belong to God and the promise of Abraham is through entering into the same covenant way that Abraham entered into it. That's one. There is a second piece to it that takes us back into the history of the book and what's going on. In the Roman world, the Roman, in the first century world, 
the empire of all empires is Rome. And the way that Rome gets power is by um, a method of tolerance. And so they would acquire France, and they would acquire Spain, and they would acquire these large chunks of portions of people. And one of the ways that they assimilate people into their empire is by being highly tolerant of what they worship. And so they just sort of bring it all in and say, yeah, is that the God you worship? Go ahead, keep worshiping those gods. And so it was sort of a uh, uh, a hodgepodge of sorts of various religions that are all sort of assimilating together and saying, okay, go ahead and keep worshiping and doing your thing. Now it's problematic when Rome, the Roman Empire, has Jews come be a part of their empire. Why is it problematic? This is where we're going to have interactions to make sure in the history class that uh, you're still paying attention. You know, it's warm in here, Jordan's talking history. You're like, can we go back to the chariot jokes, <laughs> right? So why, why is it problematic for the Roman Empire when they get the Jews? Well, how many gods do they worship? One. And so for them to sort of fit into the crowd, it was highly problematic for them. They would say, well, we're not going to worship those gods. We worship one God. That, this, is, uh, this isn't going to work out. And so the Jews became very quickly a thorn in the side of the Roman Empire. The way Rome expands their power is by keeping all the gods happy. And so they want you to worship, and they go over and beyond to try and keep all the gods happy. We want the God of rain happy. We don't want a famine in the land, so keep worshiping him. Well, the Jews would say, well, we worship one God, and he's the God over it all, and we're not going to do that. And so they actually worked out an agreement, the Jews and Rome. They worked out an agreement that was basically, you pay your dues and and do your thing, and we won't bother you anymore, and you go ahead and you worship your one God. And they had this sort of arrangement. So I think this is where the temptation is. Not only is there the sense that the Christians, the Gentile Christians who are coming to believe in Jesus Christ, why they might be tempted is, one, to join through the covenant given to Abraham that they need to be circumcised to be a part of that, but they also want to be identified as the safe group to avoid pagan worship. And so it was a sort of of get-out-of-pagan-worship card for the Christian Gentiles to get out of the world of multiple idolatry pagan worship. And so when I read that, it's kind of like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense as to why they might come up be a part of it. One, they want to belong to the promise given to Abraham. And two, they want to give themselves wholly and completely to worshiping the one true God. And the way that they would be marked off for that was through circumcision. So that's like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense, right, as to what they're doing. And so then it gets to the heart of what Paul is trying to say. And I know at this point you're kind of wondering, like, okay, this is a lot of information. And there's a lot going on. But it is, I think, pretty important for us as we get into our text this morning. And what it is that God wants us to know. And what God wants us to know is that Jesus is faithful. And through his faithfulness, we come to belong to God's family. And so I'm going to uh, jump up to Galatians 3, uh, looking at verse 23. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. 
So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. To open chapter 3, Paul asks some rhetorical questions. He says, I want to know one thing, and then he asks like five or six questions. And it's like, well, Paul, do you want to know one thing or do you want to know six things? And his point is, is how do you get the Spirit? How do you have life in God? And then rhetorically he's saying, did it, did it come through the law or did it come by faith in Jesus? Did it come by believing in Him? And so it's this tension that's going on in the text of just saying, we all know that we've followed the law. You Jews have followed the law and you have known what it means to be slaves to the law. So we don't want to return to that. So what is it that we need to do? And now he's starting to rev the engine and saying, okay, we are going to give our faith and allegiance to Christ. We know that we are not justified through the law. We are justified. We are made right. We are made holy. We are made uh, filled with peace through Jesus Christ and his faithfulness. And so that now this, this faith has come, we are no longer under the guardian. If you think of the law as a rocket ship, and on the rocket ship, the very first things that go are the big, huge th- uh, thrusters. That's what catapults the rocket up into space. Um, I haven't gone, but I hear it's great. Uh, and then once it gets into the atmosphere, once it's been thrust all the way there, it's the main thing that got it there falls off, and they just need the little thrusters because there's so much less resistance. If you would think of the law, and this analogy breaks down completely after this, but if you think of the law as what catapults us to Christ, and now that we have Christ, this is the better thing, and we are where we need to be. And so I think that's Paul in some way of what he's trying to help us see here is to say that we are now where we need to be in Christ. We are made right. We are made whole in him. And so in verse 26, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. The point of what Paul is making here is not necessarily how you are saved from sins, He is saying, how are you now a part of God's family? And you are a part of God's family through faith. The word there is uh, pistis, which is faith. There's a word that happens throughout the Bible, and it's pistuo, and it's found in John's gospel throughout all of it. And that word, and you guys are like, oh my goodness, Jordan, you have history and Greek today. And you want me to stay awake. I do. I do. I want you to hear this. Um, So there's faith as a noun. Well, it can also be a verb. And when faith is a verb, what is it? Faithing? Let's go around faithing. and We don't use that word, right? Now Jordan has history, Greek, and English. I've been subbing a lot lately. It's going down here, guys. So in English class, uh, the word, the verb form of faith is not faithing. The verb form is believing. It's believing. For you to have faith is for you to live in faith. To live in faith, to actively trust in God is to believe. 
And what Paul is saying for us is to say that we are justified and we belong to God because we have given ourselves to faith in Christ and we believe in Him and we live in Him and we have our life in Him so that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live is to Christ. That's what he says at the end of chapter 2, right? He's saying we believe in God. We believe in the cross. We have joined together with Christ in the cross and the crucifixion. And so he's saying for us, okay, it's not about the law, but it's about what it has led us to, and that is this active faithing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and King. And so you're wondering, okay, there's a lot going on there. Well, Paul helps us. A great deal. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and your heirs according to the promise. How do I come to be a part of God's family? How do I come to belong? How do I fix this inner longing that's within my heart and within all of yours? How do I get a sense of God's promises? How do I know that my life is secure? How do I have peace? And Paul is saying, I think, that we have peace through Jesus Christ and faith in Him. And His faithfulness offers it to us. And he says to them, That it's not the circumcision, but it's your baptism. And all the things that are surrounding that baptism. That you confess and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of the world. That is active believing. That's faithing in Jesus of saying that Jesus is Lord and King and Savior of the world. You affirm that. A lot of folks are sort of new to our church family. You might not know where we land on things. Here's where we land. Jesus is Lord, Savior, and King, and there's no other way to heaven except through Him. Jesus is our Savior. He's our King. He's the one we live for. He's the one we've given our allegiances to. And we confess that. We don't, we don't just have confession of sins. I have a little booth up here that once a week folks come and visit. That's not true. Uh, some of you tell me things I don't want to hear sometimes. Uh, I was like, I didn't need to hear that one, but... Uh, it's usually about boils or something. But uh, <laughs> but what we do is we confess that Jesus is Lord. It is a public affirmation of who we hold him to be, consequences or not. And accompanying to that, we believe that joining with Jesus is through baptism. We believe in you making the decision to be baptized into Jesus, into his death, burial, and resurrection. We get that from Romans 6, where we join with Jesus in a death like his so that we may live a life like his. We believe in baptism because Jesus instructs us in Matthew 28 that Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that he's commanded. Surely I'm with you to the very end of the age is the promise of Matthew 28, 19 through 20. We believe in baptism because that's how the church began in Acts 2 
when Peter preaches Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected, the people, the thousands who heard him, they said, what is it that we do in response to this? What do we do now that we know Jesus to be Lord and King? What is our response? And Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when I preach baptism, I've had people leave our church family. But it's not fair for me to not present to you why we believe what we believe and why we hold it so dearly to us and what it means to be a part of our church family. Whether or not it's essential for salvation, I don't know. That's God's call. I mean, he might phone me in on it. But what I hold to be true is, is that I confess Jesus as Lord, and when people do that, they make, they make a decision to be baptized because they want to join with Jesus in his death. They want to join with Jesus in his mission. They want to join with Jesus and give their allegiance to the one who deserves all allegiance. And Paul says when you do that, you belong. You belong in such a way that the things that have all torn us apart, the things that divide us, no longer divide us because it's Christ and His baptism who unites us. And so you belong to God through confession and faith and believing and all of these things intertwined and repentance and all, you know, all of the big words that are just me believing and trusting that there is something that God desires for us to enter into and I give my allegiance and devotion to God through it. If you wrestle with that, if this made you feel un- uncomfortable, please talk to me. I'll show you how I'm right and how you're wrong. <laughs> we can have a humble conversation, I hope, and I hope I can learn and learn from you. This is the conviction of the Etna Green Church of Christ. Elders, did I hit it? And so I'm accountable to what our tradition is. We are a restoration movement church, which that doesn't mean anything to probably a good chunk of you. But we are part of a tradition that has said, let's be faithful as best as we can to God's word and let's not add anything to it. And so we have added things to it. I'm sure of that. But we want to speak where God's word speaks and we want to be silent where it's silent we want to have charity and love in all things and this this book is about unity and belonging and what Paul looks at what happens in the book of uh, or in the moment of baptism in the moment of confession and having life in Christ he says it's neither slave nor free it's neither female nor uh, male nor female It's neither slave or free. But all of those designations and all of those things, when you want to give your complete allegiance to God and you don't want to worship the idols of this world, if you want to have assurances of the promise of belonging to what God was doing way back when, then it's not circumcision you look to, it's confession and baptism in Christ Jesus that you look at the marker that has happened on your heart, that you have Christ in you, you have His Spirit working in you, you are marked and set apart, and you belong to God through baptism, through confession, through life in Jesus Christ. That is your life, and that is your security. You are forgiven, you are loved, you belong to God through Him.
How do I have comfort? How do I have peace? I have it because Jesus is faithful. And it's believing in the faithfulness of God that has set me free. Paul will get into the freedom that we have because we have Christ. For now, it's the freedom, what he says in chapter 4, that all of us can call upon him as our Father, our Abba. It's this word of intimacy. It's this word of belonging. It's the word of intimacy within a family. And Paul is saying to each of us today, I think, in a world where we struggle to belong, in a world where we see so much divisiveness and so many problems, in a world where we can feel so left out and hurt in in a moment's notice, Paul is saying to you, God is saying to us today through his Spirit, you belong to God. You are a part of his promise. You have eternal life in him through the faithfulness of Christ. And so the question today is, you know, as we think application, as you think, well, what, what do we do from here and how do we live this out? Well, I think one is a response that if you haven't been baptized and you want to learn more about it, I would love to sit down and talk with you and make that decision. If you uh, have made that decision and you're thinking, okay, what, what do I do now? I get all of that, Jordan. Well, I I think that it's these things that just kind of reside in my heart of what kind of faith community do we want to be? If we've been united by Christ, what should divide us? Should our opinions about Notre Dame football being terrible and shouldn't be mentioned ever, you know, in the no, wait, I'm sorry. I'm picking on uh, Lindsay in a terrible way. That was awful. But uh, it's a good day whether or not Notre Dame wins or loses. I just like that to be preached. But the Lions won, and that matters. <laughs> yeah. All right. I've derailed. Here's the point. What kind of faith community do we want to be? What is it and who is it that unites us? The Etna Green Church of Christ is over 150 years old. We've existed in this town from its very beginnings. And it will continue to exist beyond us so long as we continue to be a faith community that trusts in Jesus Christ. And so are we placing that and handing that off to our children? Are we teaching them of who Christ is and what he's done for them? Are we modeling for them what it means to have faith in him? Are we faithing very well? So let's hand off to our children a faith community that loves God and seeks him. Would we be a people who share and care for one another? The Bible over and over and over again says, love one another, care for one another, meet one another's needs. Go ahead and do a one another study. Go on to Bible Gateway, type in one another, put uh, quotation marks around it, and see how many times we're encouraged to do something for one another and let it convict you. Just read through it and pray over it. Let's share with one another. Let's care for one another. Let's praise God together. Let's be a praising God community. It's a lot easier now that Brad's up there. It was awesome. It was good to have you back, buddy. Uh, We missed you. Let us be a praising people who worship God above all else because we belong to the promise of God. Let us be a forgiving people 
We're not going to all get it right. I'm going to say stupid things. I know that. I do that. And you do too. Can we forgive each other? Because if it's Christ who unites us, what should divide us? I think Romans 8 answer is nothing. Nothing should separate us from the love of God and nothing should separate us from loving one another if Christ is who binds us and guides us and cares for us. Let us be a praising and praying people. Let's pray for one another. Renew a passion of prayer. You know, I can't imagine any faith community not catching on fire for God through prayer. I mean, if we would all commit ourselves to praying, what would God do with the church family that's praying? He might send people to us who need prayer. And then we circle back and say, okay, we're going to share, we're going to care, we're going to love, and we're going to do our thing. What would God do with your life if you committed to praying? Let's be a people who center our faith on Jesus Christ. And let's agree that Christ is Lord and Savior and King of the world. And let us seek His kingdom together and His righteousness. Let's be a sharing and caring and loving and forgiving and praising and praying church family. I think we can do those things. What can you do this week? Is there a friend in your life who needs to know Jesus is Lord? Is there a decision that you need to make to make Christ your Lord and your King? Is there someone in your life that needs love and the grace of God? There's a lot for us to do. One day at a time, let's seek first Christ and His kingdom. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. And we live in the divided world, but we are united in you through your Son, Christ. Assure us, God, of the promises of your word, that we are heirs. We are heirs to the promise given to Abraham. We are your children, and we can call upon you as our Father in heaven. May the reality of that and the power of that sink into our hearts to know today that we are not alone, that we are loved, and that we belong. And may the Etna Green Church of Christ be a place and a people who help one another know that they belong to you. Aside from everything else, God, and all the struggles and all the wrestling in life, may we find great comfort and encouragement and peace today, knowing that we are your children. Lord, there's a community around us that is looking to belong to something. May they belong to you. May we be such a faith community that people find peace and comfort and love in knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We love you, God. We praise you.